0: Welcome to the first episode of the Business Exchange, how business works for the year 2022. And this is really the first, like I said, the first episode, and it's brought to you by the American Business Council. This is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts share insights on how business works with a deep dive into the biggest stories that we have around uh, different sectors. My name is Margaret Tulili and I'm your host. Now, um, the countdown to the rest of the year has already started and individuals and organizations remain in search of what they may believe are viable business opportunities within the country. We are clearly peeping into the election year. And um, before this, we already, we have a new chief executive um, advisor in the office and um, predictions of the growth of Nigeria's um, economy um, is is seen to be, um, at 2.9%. Um, and this is from the African Development Bank. Now, the question we keep asking ourselves would be, what do we do next? What is What else is going to happen? We have seen um, that, you know, um, there are clear concerns. Obviously, every pre-election year comes with its own level of anxiety and uh, really not sure what the next steps will be. And that's why we're here today um, to, to look at, you know, what the Opportunities are. So, this episode would, you know, periscope uh, business um, in Nigeria in 2022, with a clear focus on physical um, infrastructure issues, challenges, and solutions that can be explored by players in the private and public sector. So, you know, I, I, I know I had a long script to share issues around the Nigeria's infrastructure deficit, but I believe that this is what people already know. I think what is very clear is that, you know, um, we have a staggering uh, 3 um, trillion um, shortfall uh, in the next 30 years. But, you know, it really goes beyond that. It also goes beyond issues around accountability, consistency, even respecting issues around uh, sanctity of contracts and the fact that you can have different you know, administrations across different parts of the country. Um, yeah, there are also issues around, like I said, transparency graphs and the uh, maintenance of even the um, the existing infrastructure that we have. But just before we continue, I would say that you should please follow us on, at council underscore ng on Instagram and on LinkedIn American Business Council, Nigeria. Use the hashtag, hashtag the ABC Business Exchange to continue the conversation. So on this um, special episode I have with me Honorable Dr. Chukwemeka Ujam and Tulu Tulu Yiko. Don't ask me why I have, I'm almost laughing. Um, That's a secret. So Honorable Dr. Jam is, is a Nigerian politician um he 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 was um, elected a uh, member of the House of Representatives but he has a very um uh, that was at the eight assembly and at that um, eight assembly he was the vice chair man of the telecoms committee but he also has a very interesting um, career private sector career and background in the telecommunication technology he held series different um, senior engineering positions in, in in the in UK telecoms and the and security um, organizations, as well as um, have worked on the board level um, and supporting IT startups. He's currently the CEO of Nina Georgia, a consulting firm. And again, um, just like I said, I have uh, Tolu. He con- Tolu is um, a management consultant with a global experience across different industry sectors and his expertise span across strategic and operational topics and growth strategies, mergers and acquisition, and lean manufacturing and network optimization. He is the managing director and partner at Boston Consulting Group. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jam and Tolu.
1: Hello, Tolu. Thank you, Maggie.
2: Hi, Dr. Jam. Hi. Uh, it's good to be
0: Okay, just to, to to share more perspective on, on the conversation we're having today. Um, in the last pub- published uh, quarterly report of the National Bureau of Statistics for Q3 2021, um, tremendous growth um, we saw um, in, in the various sectors were recorded. And these include power and electricity, transportation, trade and investment, and, and other um, areas like uh, tech. Um, I, I have also seen a lot of interest, actually, in the tech space, considering that we've had, um, you know, companies that have either joined, you know, the council or um, are keen to see what investments they can they can have into the Nigerian market. So I, at I can speak for that tech part of it. So, what but actually, what factors do you think, or do you, do you what factors really at growth um, are are. are, are really attributed to the growth and how can we maintain the 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 trend that we are seeing
2: infrastructure which which tends to be an enabler uh you know so when we talk about power and electricity and transportation for example these tend to be uh, enablers of, of further economic growth and we saw growth uh, we saw we saw increased increased activity you know across, across sectors uh, we know uh that infrastructure We have a huge deficit of infrastructure in Nigeria and across Africa. In fact, Uh, according to the AFDB, Africa's infrastructure deficit could be as high as 170 billion per year over the next couple of years. And of that 170 billion, you know, we only there's only a a, a clear line of sight to, to seven, seven billion, 70 billion of it being covered. So we have a huge gap of 100 billion per year. So seeing seeing power and electricity transportation, this key physical infrastructure that can enable additional economic growth, uh, being prioritised
0: as we see increased growth uh, feels feels quite appropriate. Thanks a lot, Cholu. Uh, so, Dr. Jam, what's um, what are your thoughts? Well,
1: I want to come want come to... at it from um, a scientific approach. Now, when 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 the uh, um, MBS says uh, growth. What what really was the baseline for saying that there was this growth? Because I've I've looked at curves. There's the um for, for instance in the GDP, you've got a 15, there's a claim of 15 point about 15.4, 15.5% um nominal growth versus a four point four four point zero real growth. Um, but where where we where were we growing from? Um, uh, so is the trend line really going up are we still are we catching up to where we were before and then doing a, a real increase now the world bank pro- projects a growth of 2.5 percent in this year i have doubts because this is an election year um and and in a in an election year when i say election at least all the parties must hold their primaries this year um the focus will be more on politicking than even growing Growing the economy, um, so the only the only the only sector I, I have real confidence in is the IT sector, because even with COVID, um, COVID in fact helped drive drive um, the trend higher, and you know there'll be loads of startups, um, and you can do stuff from from home um, now when you look at the infrastructure um, in, in the country and the, the amount of money that's being borrowed to fund this infrastructure, good, but we, we need to look at um, sustainability of these things and the and, and, and true appetite to really to really do this work. So that, that's, that's my initial view around this. Um, so maintaining the trend, I look I see proper strength in tech um, at least for this year. In, in in the other in the other sectors, I I I personally have my doubts, and this is just my view.
0: Yeah, um, thank you so much, Dr. Jam. Um, again, and and, and thank you, uh, Tolu, for the initial um thoughts shared. Uh, do you want to share some more thoughts, Tolu, uh, before I I share my, what I I mean? Uh, in in a sense, I uh, you know I I think that you know the election here here comes with. Some, some good parts, you know, which would mean that, um, you know, you, you may find um, governments who are quick, who want to ensure that projects, existing projects are done before the leave for whatever reason, whether it's for, you know, overall good or whatever. So you could see some of these um, uh, infrastructure um, projects, you know, you know, being pulled off um, on, on, on the radar. Um, uh, you know, if, if I look at the report from uh, financial derivatives, that you know, I I see that you know they said that even the construction sector would likely grow by three point oh seven percent in twenty twenty two, and that perhaps state governments may be spending massively as election approaches, and um, we're looking at the situation where twenty two highways, at least in the area of roads, um, may be um, uh, you know m- we may have those those um highways and maybe are concessioned and uh, and uh told you know as a way to kind of generate funds but i mean again it's, it's neither here nor there but one thing is clear you know the area of it uh, you know would would continue to grow so are there some thoughts you want to share before we move to the next um con- uh, conversation which really is uh you know links to this first one um yes yeah, I mean, I think you know the
2: the, the idea of infra- continued focus on infrastructure is quite important. Um, I I I do see the um, the growth in the tech sector, which Dr. Ujam and you, Maggie, uh, referred to. Uh, but we shouldn't forget that even to achieve uh, this growth in the tech sector, we need the critical enablers of the IT infrastructure itself. Right? We need towers. We need fiber. Uh, we need all of those things deployed. Uh, and so, you know, the underlying physical infrastructure uh, will also be necessary. And um, you know, in an election year and out of election years, we, we we continue to need to focus on on having those physical infrastructure built as well. I think we're we're all aligned.
0: I think. Yeah, uh, completely. I I believe. Um. So so again, um. We for these things to happen we also have to have an enabling policy environment uh, you know to make things work um so um it, it's something that perhaps the government will want to you know look at as we, as we move on but before i get into um issues around policy and get the real because that is that is what we discuss almost every day about you know um, competitiveness you know and, and issues around policies that should create an enabling uh business environment so so but uh, when we look at these structures that we are talking about and we look at the fact that um, a lot of money, you know, multi-billion dollar projects um, are needed to address this um, this uh, infrastructure or deficits that we have uh, talked about. Um, we we noticed that uh, the government, especially the, the, the present government, is keen to address this deficit. And uh, we are beginning to see a lot of uh, um, some mega projects across the country. Um, at various stages of development. And uh, we also see rail, railroads and, you know, airport project, uh, projects um, stretching across Nigeria and, um, and, and some you know, groundbreaking or breaking ground projects, um, you know, being um, commenced um, or having commenced and, and all. Um, we know that these projects cost a lot of money and the federal government has borrowed um, some funds for these projects um while we may not we may when we look at ourselves and look at other countries in uh the continent that have borrowed and to a point where um you know they're, they're they they become almost um, um held captive you know in a sense uh, because of what they have borrowed we, may, we have not gotten to that state yet but you know um do you think that you know um this those funds that the, the federal government has borrowed um is, is really um the right way to go and how do we propose you know perhaps that the, the, the federal government should go about you know um this venture moving forward should we be looking at you know uh, more public private sector initiatives for instance and you know um i mean how do what direction should we go or should we it shouldn't be a mixed grill of you know different kinds of uh, options yeah. uh, so- and, and- Go
1: ahead, please. Yeah, Maggie, thank you. I mean, we, we, you, in, in, your, in your asking questions, you're, you've also preferred some um, interesting solutions. So uh, I am a proponent of a mixed bag. You know, the private sector needs to come in, but the government, it's, it's the role of government to create an enabling environment for the private sector to thrive and, and have confidence in, in stepping into um, spending its, 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 its money in the, in the real economy now but so look, look look at look at the budget the the budget was uh 17 trillion the 2022 budget is 17 17.1 trillion now um three trillion of that is for debt servicing uh, and there's a deficit of six trillion now there's no there's no magic they've looked at okay it's there's a benchmark there's a benchmark of uh i think it's 62 or 63 dollars per barrel um and, and there's a proposal of 1.8 million barrels per day now but when you do the sums and look at 2022 with its unique because it's a you, you know please as a politician i'll always drag you back into the politics when you when an election year comes with um, governments typically trying to find monies to spend on election not necessarily on the on the real economy so people the, the budgets will be there but the monies will be channeled towards ensuring they win the elections that's that's i mean that's the trend every it's it's a, over the four year eight year cycle of, of of governments um so but if the if the private sector has um, confidence in you know in what's going on, they, they should be encouraged more to 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 bring in their capital, and that's that's my take. And we can't we can't continuously so to answer the question around continuous borrowing, it, it's you know wh- who are you you're, you're mortgaging the future of 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 the children unborn.
2: Yeah, I mean, so so I have a, a, I think, mostly aligned, but maybe an additional perspective on on borrowing. So, you know, research suggests that the return on infrastructure investments is quite high, right? So there's borrowing and that's borrowing, and you can be borrowing for current expenditure and, you know, things that are not physical assets, but, but borrowing for infrastructure the return actually tends to be quite high you know if you think about road infrastructure research suggests that you know the return on investment on road infrastructure could be as high as 200% so you know when we talk about infrastructure in particular personally i don't think borrowing is necessarily a problem in fact it is smart uh, given the kind of deficit that we currently have uh, the 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 thing to focus on though is making sure that we execute rigorously to realize this return on investment. You know, we need to place a premium on making sure the execution of projects, uh, the responsibility for the execution of projects is placed on the right people who have the right expertise uh, to execute this project. So, you know, at the surface level, I'm not necessarily anti-borrowing for physical infrastructure. We just need to make sure the m- monies that we raise actually get diverted to the right places. and we empower the right people to execute. Now, we can borrow and borrow and borrow. Yeah, sorry, we can borrow and borrow and borrow, but in the end, government and the public sector, whether we're talking about the Nigerian government itself or even the DFIs, uh, there will continue to be a gap between what the public sector can do. You know, recall I said the African Development Bank said we need about 170 billion per year over the next couple of years and, you know, they only see a path to 70 billion of it. And so to, to close that 60% gap, we need to bring the private sector. So we need to incentivize private sector, as Dr. Gujam said, uh, and make sure we have the right enabling environments to ensure that they feel confident to bring their monies in um, to, to to participate in infrastructure investment. And not all infrastructure investments will be relevant for the private sector, by the way. Some are going to be public good. They will never be profitable. Uh, and so you know that's where government should sort of spend its limited resources. But some of them will be viable and could be profit. You know there'll be opportunities to maximize profit. Those will need to sort of direct to the public to the private sector.
1: You're right, Tolu. But the issue, the issue um, that's staring all of us in the face is you. You've got you've got we're currently borrowing to pay just salaries. So. You know that's that's not healthy.
2: Correct, correct. I mean, you know, and, and, and so I mean, I think I think we're 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 aligned. I just wanted to sort of put the fine point on, on that on that point of borrowing for infrastructure. or fully agree. Yep. Borrowing to sort of pay salaries, uh, and you know, is not sustainable. Is not something that actually has a long term return. Uh, but you know, the mega projects, the physical infrastructure, the return is quite clear. And so we need to continue to push to make sure investments are going in that direction.
0: Yep. Yeah, that, 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 makes sense. Um, so, but, um, again, that brings to my mind, um, another part of this issue around borrowing for uh, fiscal in, infrastructure and, um, is there a way, we can track this return on investment? Because I know totally you talked about return on investment. Is there a way we can track, you know, like, okay, okay, we have put this and maybe in the next two, three years, this is what we expect. Is, is there some uh, form of tracking and, you know, um, and and uh, assessment of, of how this can happen? Yeah,
2: well, that's a great question. I think one of the things we must do is, actually have these kind of discussions before we borrow money and have this kind of discussion before we you know uh put the shovel to the ground to begin the projects uh the we often sometimes minimize the um you know minimize the need for pre-feasibilities and, and pre-project planning you know th- this sort of question you raise is one well, we should be striving to answer in the feasibility study stage right where we are assessing both the technical feasibility of the project itself, but also uh, the socioeconomic benefits uh, from the projects. And if we do this for projects, uh, there are mechanisms where we can you know, publicize uh, these. And so people, citizens can 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 track. So I, I don't know that I haven't seen. Um, One of these mechanisms, and you know, in fairness, I've not sort of like dug into a a physical infrastructure project to try to understand what's in it. But oftentimes, these questions that you're raising, you know, which is a great one, we should be trying to answer even before we
1: we we kick those projects off. Yeah. So so Tolu, yes, as as, as, yeah, the question Maggie raised or asked is 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 quite germane. Um, I I I like Tolu have not seen any. Tracking of such as such, um, and maybe that's because there's that heavy reliance on the fact that a responsible lender has done a due diligence um, and and has checked the risk appetite and seeing that yes that they, the 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 curve, the yield will be will be there, and and so that's why people haven't really gone into um, investigating that that angle of tracking what's going on. Um, and have left that sole responsibility to the to the lender.
0: Okay. Uh, you know, um, but something else comes to mind when we talk about infrastructure and, you know, the issue around borrowing and, and all. Uh, I, you know, I always look at things from the lens, maybe not always, but, you know, the lens of private sector. Because that is really where I I see for the most part. Um, no offense to you, Doctor Jam. Um, so um, <laughs> you know, and um, I, I look at the fact that recently there's this this beat around um, Nigeria having you know um, fast five of the um, twenty fast growing cities in the world, and you know four out of these five cities are in the southeastern part of Nigeria, and two of the cities are in one of the states where we currently have the former formal uh, governor of uh, um, CBN now the um the governor-elect for you know for for, for that state and uh, and that's now the question is uh, really not the question this, this is just me thinking and I, I, you know at the end of the day it's it's more like you know all sharing thoughts around this um what do you think may be driving Um, You know, because for you to have cities growing almost at an average of 27 percent, there must be some level of, of, of development and growth that is making, you know, congregating people to a certain area. And so, so the, the, the question, the question then is, um, you know, from what also we gathered or what, you know, I gathered that there's a lot of private sector effort, um, you know, that, that, that's making this happen. So, so, so are, are there incentives or policies that you think at, you know, sub national levels, because now we're talking about infrastructure more like at the national um, level, what the federal government is doing, but at the sub national level, are there um, things that um, would be done to really incentivize um, uh, stakeholders or private sector to want to, you know, um, uh, put in uh, their investments in, in these areas. Are There are certain kinds of um, projects. I know that in Lagos State there is um um uh, the, an ongoing project you know um that maybe told you, i think you may know about um so uh, are there any things that, that states need to do to really help um accelerate um uh, growth in the and uh, 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 ensure that you know these infrastructure deficits that we're talking about is is really reduced
1: um so you know um if i may comment uh or answer maggie you know the looking at the the growth cities you know in, in at the southern area of this country there's this whole think home mentality and I, I believe that that that's a key indicator as to why these cities are looked at as strong growth cities um there's self dependent self um yeah self dependent you know there's No, no real look to government helping them. They want to be self-reliant and, and, and because it's not very easy to, to track that quote unquote black economy, uh, they seem to thrive um, in their own little macro um, um, zone. So now, um, is it a good is it a good approach? I, well, I I think so because you know you then form little cities that are great, and then you know the the combination of these little cities make a big uh, you know a, a big country. So I'd, I'd, that, that's my view, and that's 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 what I feel is is the cause of of, of, of the statistics that we've seen coming out from there. I, I have I also have a suggestion. You know, um, the the amount of money that comes in from our diasporans, our, our, um, our relatives who live abroad, can be channeled in a certain way. I mean, if if there's a diaspora fund set up, for instance, in in a certain my state, and and say, look, um, guys, put your money into 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 this fund. We're going to use this money to to build this road. You you manage it. I think people 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 will be willing to to fund that way and help government.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think the, the work by by state governments at a subnational level to improve their respective states, drive economic activity in the states, I think is very important. I mean, there are, you know, citizens in these places that are dependent on the leaders of the states, um, you know, for quality of life, uh, you know, and um, enabling environment. So I, th- I think that makes sense. At the same time, I think we also need to find ways to ensure that at the national level that the concentration of these cities are properly distributed across the country, right? I mean, you have a a city like Lagos, city-state like Lagos, uh, with all its population, uh, continued immigration all the time. When we don't have, uh, you know, when we we are not ensuring that thriving cities exist across the country, uh, even of different magnitudes, then you increasingly overly dependent on a few uh and the the task on those few cities continues to sort of increase so i think we need to do both we need to um continue to make sure that you know like urbanization is the future and we're all going to be living in, in cities and it's more efficient to live in cities and all of that but we need to make sure that even though there are some big big ones we still need to have pockets across the country where people can aggregate without you know, everyone feeling like we need to go to the same handful of cities.
0: Um. absolutely. I, I I agree with you. And and then something else again that came up in this conversation is the issue around diaspora funds and and, and, and all that. Um I know that um uh, for instance the, the deputy assistant secretary of african affairs um, you know akunako and um you know the the ceo of uh, prosper africa um leslie mulbury um i in town and, and you know part of uh, the conversation is uh the the, the how, how can you even you know grow um, some areas in in, in some sectors like uh, the digital technology, uh, the creative sector, using, you know, um, diaspora funds or diaspora um, organizations, you know, coming into into uh, the the country to invest. So I mean, we're beginning to see um, interesting um, and, and well-tailored conversations in that direction. And we're hoping that uh, this, you know, would be not just a one-off, but some, you know, consistent, sustainable um, project, you know, with the two countries that can bring um, some level of uh, of of positive up- outcomes for the for, for Nigeria. So so anyway, uh, let's move to something else that you know the world knows Nigeria for. Um, some in some ways in the reverse, and um, <laughs> you know on, on on the issues of power and electricity. Uh, you know Nigeria. Um, I mean, we we've we've evolved from NEPA to, you know, uh, power holding companies at all. Um, But we still have that as a major, major um, um, uh, deficit, you know, to to use that word. Um, But ironically, Nigeria has the largest natural gas reserves on the African continent. And uh, the, the government itself, you know, have tried through the Petroleum Industry Act to Encourage investors in renewable energy projects and the utilization of gas reserves through setting um, things like the uh, tax the five-year tax holiday, um, the establishment of uh, the midstream and downstream uh, gas infrastructure funds to encourage private sector investments. Uh, so, how can um, uh, investors play successfully in this space, considering that you know, considering these incentives? How do we um, how do we? How how do people do people really know you know about these incentives? I'm talking about those who uh, would uh, want to invest into the continent. Because again, you know what we see is that um, you know despite all this um, you know the the flowery parts of the art, um, we're we're still not seeing uh, the investors in a sense. So, so is there, are there some thoughts you'd like to share in this area?
2: So, I, maybe, maybe I start with this one. So, listen, <laughs> I, I have a slightly nuanced perspective on this, I, 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 and I don't think the approach here for power and electricity or gas is that different from any other significant investment that needs to be made in, in Nigeria. Uh, i think investors must engage boldly uh and 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 thoroughly honestly um you know people think of nigeria as a as a challenging place to invest and just paint us with this broad you know negative brush and it has its challenges um and it's idiosyncrasies but that's you know a lot of places where you need to make bold investments um require that right this is the same nigeria that continues to be the largest economy in africa you, you talked about some of the largest mega mega uh, projects that are going on, some of the largest infrastructure projects on the continent. You know, the Lagos Rail Mass Transit, which is one that has sort of persisted for a while, but should be open is almost complete. Should be open in the second half of this year. So I, I think we need to just de-average and not, you know, um, investors need to build the right team of experts. Uh, de average, identify the sources of value and build a plan to realize uh, the kind of returns uh, that they want. You know, I was talking to someone this yeah. morning. If we can think only about risks, uh, and you know well we can also sort of think about ways to mitigate risks. You know, I, I, I think of Nigeria as a place that has some risk, but every place has its risk. But the opportunities are there. The opportunity to earn sizable returns are there we need to just de-average and figure out which one is it that we feel comfortable with, get the right experts and go for it. So uh, a bit more of a bullish perspective. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the opportunities are there.
0: So, yes,
1: I, I align myself. I agree. I agree the opportunities are there um, for 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 companies that have been bold enough to come in and play in this space. They've, they've gone back with um, or ended up with phenomenal returns so but it's it's a case of on one hand the government needs to um, do more in changing the negative narrative around investments in nigeria uh, um, or the the perception of investing in nigeria um, and trying to create better better environments for 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 people to come in but people should just be bold and he who dares wins
0: Yeah, you know, for me, I, I think it's it's um, part of government's responsibility, but it's also part of the responsibility of you know those who would need to have um, you know to to bring in these investors into into the country. So I, I think there's um, there, there there is a role uh, different um, groups would have to play both in public and private sector. I always um, tell people um, when we are at meetings that. Because when U.S. companies come and ask, OK, what is it, what, what is it like to do business in Nigeria and, and all that, you know, I, I always share that Nigeria is like, uh, you know, trying to get a, a precious stone in the midst of thorns. You, you, you will bleed, but if you're able to navigate, you know, if you're able to move your, um, you know, your hands well, then you're, 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 you're less likely to breathe and you, you're, you're going to get what it is you would get. So, um. It's, it's important to also share the fact that uh, most uh, we have U.S. companies that have been in Nigeria before the independence of this country, and they're still in this country, uh, which tells that, uh, you know, despite the, the things that we see, um, you know, there are opportunities and we need to get that narrative out from time to time. And so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a case of half full, half empty. If you want to see the risk, that's all you see. But if you want to see the opportunities, uh, so you need to, I, I like your word, to look the average. <laughs> to, to, I mean, to, to know I mean, it's how true. To, yeah, yeah. Because I if, you look at
2: this, if you look at some of these companies, uh, um, Maggie, these companies that you talk about that have been here for a long time, uh, their Nigeria operations continue to do really well. Uh, Nigeria continues to be a sizable share of their global business. Uh, so, you know, we can continue to sort of like speak in a very hyperbolic way um about how you know problematic nigeria is but you know I, I think people who sort of pay attention to a lot of that are often being distracted by what's going on you know, people are making money uh in this country uh
1: <laughs> absolutely you're right
0: <laughs> yes you know what but, but you see the, the, the main thing when you when you look at you know um people would say well it's what you see on people that that works and and, and the reality in some cases uh, the fact that we're 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 seeing a lot of IOCs that are diverting because of the challenges around fiscal competitiveness and you know compared to new investments um, sharing into Uganda and Mozambique and you know countries small countries like Guyana, for instance um, we 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 see just a minuscule um, drop in the, in those kinds of investments into um, into the country I I think at one gathering I I. I I was told it was like maybe we're just getting like five percent of the total um bit of say five yeah you know of, of, of the total thing so um the, the question is that how can really how can back again to the federal government how can we how can we we um we can't stop the companies obviously from taking their decisions right but how can we support uh incentives you know through ensuring we have. Um, more favorable physical, we are more physically physically competitive, you know, to to use that word. I mean, I've had I've been in a lot of gatherings with using these words in recent times. It's become like, you know, I wake up with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we should look at security. Um, I think that's one one issue that um, has plagued um, operators in that region. You know, the and when I talk about security, I'm not talking security of funds. I'm talking staff security um um, infrastructure security um so so government needs to to do a lot in that in that area um give people a sense of confidence that once you come in you are safe your um if you spend uh, billions of dollars in setting up a a, a, um, and some some whatever infrastructure that nobody's going to blow blow it up um and there's no, you know, the, the whole youth restiveness and all that will, will not happen. So that's government's role. And that's what they should continuously do. Once once people have a sense that they are safe, their investment is safe, uh, Nigeria is, is paradise to any anybody that comes with money.
2: Yeah, I, I fully agree with Dr, Dr. Ujam, right? Like the government's uh you know have monopoly on on secure you know on 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 the military right and uh and and on security right there's some things that only government can do and as dr Ujan mentioned security is one of those things Uh, i think in the discussion as well you know this discussion is is often a tension between government needing to raise revenue to fund development needs of, of the country right and, it, and creating a competitive environment for investments right versus some other geographies that's what is intention usually in addition to some of the other things like that like security that dr john mentioned you know investors may see opportunities that are more attractive in other geographies in the short term uh government may also feel like it has been on the disadvantaged end of deals with investors in the past and is now rectifying trying to rectify uh Uh, You know those perceived misgivings, if you will. So I I I don't I don't think it's 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 as straightforward. I I do think, particularly in the oil and gas space, right, there needs to be continued conversation between government. Government itself needs to maintain a posture of being pro markets, uh, with the right tone and a willingness to engage to find the best answers. Oftentimes, sometimes it's just you know um, government saying the wrong thing uh, is what scares people. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, when I talk to people in in the oil and gas space and IOCs, they always talk about, you know, Nigeria has really good resources versus in comparison to some of these places. Uh, and so, you know, even with all the, you know, um, the challenges we're dealing with government, people still like uh, the assets that Nigeria has. So I, I think government maintaining the posture of being pro markets, uh, wanting to, uh, um, engage is also very very important, uh, and you know that comes from leadership.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is government being seen to um, write a contract, force people to sign to that contract, and and not renege on it. So, you know, there, there's there's also that fear, you know, oh, today one government comes, rips up a contract that pre- the previous government came in with, and starts changing the goalpost, you know, mid 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 game. Um, so once once people have that additional sense that yes um what what government said they will do they will do um yeah i uh nigeria is wonderful yeah
0: fully agree yeah you know um just just something else, um, you know, when you, well, not really something else, when you talked about the issue around um, security, I remember that at uh, a certain meeting we we had earlier in the year, um, some people, um, the people, some people on the, on the panel highlighted uh, the issues around security and said, look, Nigeria is not as unsafe as some other countries where a lot of businesses are happening. And, uh, you know, um, one of the speakers talked about uh, what he called an oasis of uh, but it's an oasis of security oasis that builds within countries, you know, where you know that, okay, yes, you can really have pockets of places where businesses happen and are well protected, and then you're sure that you're able to, um, you know, com- companies and investors feel comfortable, you know, to invest in these areas. And because when you look at countries like, uh, I, I do not want to mention that, that are really war-torn, even in the continent, um, but you still see still see investors into that country and still see a lot of people being, so so it is the question really just you know security but thankfully we have looked at other areas and I'd like you know the bit about the government being a, being pro-market um, you know the issue around uh, respecting uh, the sanctity of contracts so a little me that we need, to, uh, we need to, to kind of move really fast and there's loads of things that um that are happening. Um, so one of them is obviously the um, the cop 26 that happened um, recently um the global discussion on on that and how do we how do we really think is it really uh, possible that that, um, that African countries, specifically Nigeria, can you know move from uh, um, uh, an entirely gas-powered um, ec- um, domestic economy uh, by 2030. Um, so how can we move all
1: to um
0: to renewable energy sources um you know and and, and those deadlines um are, are these deadlines really feasible it's it
2: is estimated that you know for a country like Nigeria Nigeria itself contributes you know less than half a percent I mean maybe even around you know, um, a quarter of a percent of the world's uh, CO2 emissions, right? And I think Africa collectively, you know, less than 5%. So I think this conversation around COP26 climate uh, emission, I, I think we need to have it within the context of, of Africa not having caused the problem. Uh, now, having said that, I think as Africans, we should aspire to build in you know, a cleaner uh more renewable fashion going forward and you know leverage renewable sources of energy such as solar hydro um going forward but we must also leverage you know our gas reserves um you know gas tends to be more cleaner burning than than other fossil alternatives uh and you know we will continue to need more energy and so excluding gas from our mix would inhibit our ability I think to the pace that we need or even adapt some of the challenges, the increasing challenges of climate change that we're seeing. So I, I, how do we make gas happen? You know, um, how much we can achieve in 2030? Maggie is not, you know, I don't have the crystal ball for it, but I, I think, you know, there are gas projects. There are gas projects that are economically viable and there are those those that will always require subsidy, right? I think we need to just segment um, viable projects such as those that are supporting economic activity. They need to be appropriately communicated to investors. Uh, Oftentimes, and and some of us who do a lot of research and stare these numbers assume that everybody knows, but oftentimes it's just not having information is what's holding people back from investments. So so some of these projects are viable. We need to make them clear to investors uh, uh, investing. But there are a lot of other unviable projects, you know, like building a pipeline infrastructure for gas across the country and, and things like that. Those need to be funded by government uh, as a public good. So I think, you know, this segmentation could be the way that we at least push, so I think one gas, I think must be part of our mix given what we have. And I think, you know, the averaging between what's viable and unviable um, it could help us to deploy our resources effective efficiently uh to 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 continue to maintain pace of investments in these in these gas projects
1: unfortunately global warming has come to stay um we are that yes one has to be responsible and look to cleaner energy um try and walk away from fossil fuel dependency yeah. but uh, when we look at 2030 <laughs> I'm usually an optimist, but I can't see any. <laughs> I don't see us uh, if that's a target. I don't see us meeting that target. Um, we need to build that um, infrastructure that will help, uh, you know, so that, for instance, the pipeline infrastructure that Tolu alluded to, um, that's important. You you have to have that foundation before you can leapfrog, uh, running away from from um, you know this uh, fossil fuel dependency. So. Let, let's let's just say that we need to just take it a chunk at a time, and and uh, you know we'll get there, but certainly not twenty thirty.
0: Okay, um, twenty thirty. Before we know what would happen, uh, you know, it's does nothing on the dark side. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so 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 let's go to an area that is is obviously uh, Dr. Jam, your your clear area of uh, of expertise. And we've seen telecoms really um, driving the digital economy, whether it's in the area of healthcare or education, or you know SMEs, or even enhancing the work you know that the the, the government agencies do. Um, so, but this this telecom projects are expensive, and 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 then we also see new technologies that spring up frequently. Uh, with focus on major cities, you know, like uh, Lagos, uh, Port Harcourt, and Abuja, and a few others, you know. So, so what what kinds of incentives uh, would we propose to ensure uh, that the average citizen accesses good telecoms, you know, uh, network? And how can we really track how this has helped in the in the area of education, or, or for instance, healthcare, um, logistics, and, and e commerce? Uh, so. Uh, and and the potential that, that that can bring if we you know um, if this is uh, appropriately utilised uh, in the sectors. I mean, very triple-barrel type of uh, 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 question, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, Maggie.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yes, that that's that's really up my alley when it comes to t- um, telecommunications. Uh, but let, let's look at it holistically. For 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 that industry to thrive, um, you must have uh, power because a lot of, a lot of, um, I don't, when the people say adequate power, I don't say adequate continuous power because a lot of monies is spent on that alternative power. Um, where, you know, on generating sets and all that, um, the, the, the other issue with that sector is people want to be able to repatriate uh, foreign exchange easily um so that that conversation needs to be held but I look I look at that sector as a sector that will and is competing favorably with with the you know oil and gas sector what we need to to, to to do more is look at the 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 would I say the youth or the the younger generation um they're the ones that come up with all kinds of fancy, Fancy ideas and, and just help, help, help them, educate them more, give them a sense of belonging, give them, equip them to to to, to thrive as a as a, a layer on, you know, as a value add on on the initial um, infrastructure. The other thing is this critical national infrastructure, the masks that people go and shut down or or, or burn, um, you know there is move by government to say yes this they're, they're listed as critical national infrastructure because once you destroy a mast you you know you've cut off millions of people on the other hand looking to companies that play in that sector um, yeah, yeah a couple of them in, try and say they're paying back you know through csis but if it's if it's more uh, structured or regulated that that would help because they make a lot of money from from the from the people who are, you know, using their infrastructure. So I, I hope I've touched on on all the you know almost triple barrel questions that you hit back and I'm just conscious of the time.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, if, if I may just sort of add to it, I fully agree. I mean, it's one of those sectors that is highly, 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 highly profitable. Um, and I think what we're beginning to see now is that we can leverage this the infrastructure that's been built by the telecos the, by the telcos to solve some of our other additional problems right we if you think financial inclusion for example financial inclusion is hard in nigeria despite the fact that we have set this goal of 80 percent by last year 90 um, percent over the next couple of years because the way it's traditionally done is to build bank branches and ATMs across the country that is capital intensive that is expensive we are beginning to see though that you know a critical issue such as financial access and financial inclusion can be solved by leveraging digital um you know digital and you know um and an agents across the country leveraging this physical infrastructure um telemedicine can can work on this physical infrastructure and provide healthcare even to more places we have, through COVID, those of us that have kids have taught our kids, you know, uh, from from the internet and Zoom classes, which shows you again how we can potentially improve our education and access to quality education with digital. So I think this idea, so, so first of all, there's money to be made there, but this idea as well of having this, you know, telecommunication infrastructure as, you know, critical national security assets, um, you know, resonates very very strongly with
1: me yeah and and then of course investors look at nigeria and say okay anybody will do that any 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 serious investor will look at uh, where where are the, where's the population where you know if i deploy this you know where how is where where would i get a quick uh, f- you know qu- fastest return on investment and that's why there's that um draw to 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 the lagos is the Abuja's and the Portakots because that's where um, you have clusters of of, um, uh, upwardly mobile uh, financially capable individuals so yes it's also good to try and look look you know if it's a concentric circle look look outside those concentric circles and see how you can build um, build the population that's there and help them have access to to this wonderful digital economy.
2: Yeah. And if I may just build on that too, Dr. Ujam. I think, you know, from an investor standpoint, you know, the the flip side of, of, of concentrating all investments in the urban areas, um, you know, is that you are competing with other people, right? Uh you're competing with other people that are there. Uh you know, because you know Nigeria's population, if you think about Nigeria's populace, Nigeria has a large population you know, oh. but only about half of the population is, is right? So if you think about some of the rural areas, if you think about some of the no- northern uh, parts of the country, uh, you know, competition is probably less in some of these places. So speaking of being bold, you know, th- there's still, it's a large market, but for a lot of things, it's still quite untapped. Oh. Even the digital infrastructure, the teleco infrastructure that's being built we're still very, very much at the surface level in terms of leveraging some of those. Um, we talk about increased use of smartphones today. We're still very much at the at the beginning of, of uh, being a data and, and leveraging data uh, and, and and deploying smartphones that can now use four G. You know, we're talking about the world moving to five G. So there's still people. T- you know, if we talk about the problems of Nigeria, let's sort of talk about the the fact that it's still very nascent
1: course a lot of attention yeah. oh yeah so, so of course and there's a huge value-added service ecosystem that that grows exponentially every day with heavy reliance on on the telecom infrastructure you
0: know, you know I mean the, the point the point is uh you know we're seeing so much happening and we are also seeing um we're also seeing string the policies that may be happening some to support the um the, the growth and then, in some cases, some to really uh, become derailers. So, I mean, it's interesting to see how uh, this year pans out. Uh, you know, uh, in terms of uh, the, the the politics that we're going to be seeing a lot more, but also in terms of how um, these uh, conversations around the digital digital technology, uh, the issues around infrastructure can uh, really um, enhance, you know, the, the the growth and the economy of. Of this country, and more importantly, create an enabling environment for private sectors and investors to come over to the country and 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 um, and um, do business. So I mean, we could go on and on. And I really like the energy energy in our virtual room. Um, but we have come to, to the end of the show. Um, we we ask I follow the business exchange on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I mean, we're talking of uh, you know these platforms again, right? Um, And on social media, follow us at N G on Instagram and on LinkedIn, American Business Council. Um, We will continue the conversation um, on these other platforms and the hashtag you would use is uh, hashtag the ABC uh, Business Exchange. So see you in our next episode, same time on Tuesday, 1st of March. And thank you for listening.